0: Improvise. Musical. Comedy. What are the words?
1: Making up as we go along. Do you know what you're talking about? Rhyming. Choruses. verses, Bridges. It's words. It's
0: music.
1: Sing it. It's musical, sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Hello. Welcome to Musical Improv Company.
0: Yes, welcome indeed. It's another special episode.
1: (laughs) Seems that way. (laughs) They're
0: all special, aren't they?
1: Yeah, well you went off and did something without me.
0: I did, which was a... I had separation anxiety, but yes. it was it was soothed by meeting the wonderful uh, Lee Simpson and Phelan McDermott of Improbable.
1: Indeed. So, um, let's just cut straight there and see what happened.
0: Fantastic. Hello. Welcome to today's Open Your Mouth and Sing podcast. I'm not with Joe. I'm just by myself. Um, but I am here with the amazing Mr. Lee Simpson. Hi, Lee.
1: Hello. Sorry, I no, knew you choked on my apple.
0: Ali's eating an apple. Um, and at least from Improbable, Mm -hmm. I'm talking to him with his Improbable hat on, Mm -hmm. Um, and we're in the National Theatre Studios, and you're doing one of the most exciting products I've heard about for a while. (laughs) Good. How's it been going?
1: It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. It's been really lovely. It's called Lost Without Words. The original reason why we thought of it wasn't the reason we ended up doing it. Ah, okay. So the reason we thought of doing it was that Phelim met an actor, an older actor, um, out in Twickenham, and had a chat with him, and it was someone that Phelim had really admired when he watched him at the Royal Exchange in Manchester when Phelim was a lad. Phelim's my co-artistic director. So he had a chat with this actor, and a lovely chat, and then the the, the actor said... Of course you know that. I, I don't do the stage anymore. It's the lines. And he tapped his head and said, They won't go in.
2: Yeah.
1: Which is obviously a common thing, you know. Um, and it was about the same time that uh, stories were starting to appear up, Michael Gambon not remembering his lines. And it just felt like it was kind of in the air. And almost as a joke, mm-hmm. Phelan and I said to each other, Oh, well, you know, here's these actors who are amazing performers, but they can't learn their lines or they don't want to do eight shows a week or whatever, you know. We should teach them to improvise because there aren't any lines. Yeah. And it doesn't matter, you know, there's no stage direction that says you have to do a forward roll or something. So we sort of went, yeah. And then, oh my God, no, that's exactly what we should do. So we. we talked to some people about that and we started meeting some older actors and we were very clear that we wanted proper actors um, and proper dramatic actors because as we talked we realised our interest was in that kind of improvisation that's like theatre um, and as we started meeting these older actors we very quickly dropped the idea that they would need to not be able to remember their lines or not be able to do this or not be able to do that that, that was sort of the, actually the least interesting thing about it what we became interested in was um, these performers who have 50 or 60 years of experience um, in bringing life to other people's words getting the opportunity to use their own words and their own experiences and their own lives and their own impulses um, so that was very quickly, that became, that replaced the kind of first first idea, so we got a, a group of five uh, performers together, we spoke to Rufus Norris the new uh, artistic director here at the National and uh, he was very supportive and generously gave us some time here at the National Theatre Studio to explore this idea and that's what we've been doing
0: And this is your second uh, session? Yeah And is it the same group of actors?
1: All except one We had five actors and then one had to drop out because she got a job so we replaced her with someone else and uh, other than that it's the same group, yeah
0: And have you found that... um the group sort of developed its trust in just in that time you know like sometimes when you work with a group and even though you're not working together when you come back together there's that kind of have you gone deeper this time I guess is what I'm asking
1: yeah what's interesting is we're bringing the worlds of improvisation and theatre together in more ways than one so the way that impro slash improv tends to work is people get together once a week at weekends Over a very extended period of time, and that's how people learn how to improvise. Mm -hmm. You don't have a rehearsal period at the end of which you improvise. It doesn't. That's not how it worked for me, and I think that's pretty much unchanged. Whereas these are actors who have never worked like that. For them, it's like turn up four weeks later,
0: do the show, tech,
1: do the show, whatever. So. We're working with a slightly different structure, but I think definitely, having worked with them for two weeks, September, October last year, in the gap, you know the work has been going on like a background application on a computer. Yes um, And that, that's actually where most of the work happens, I think. Um, you challenge, people get challenged in the workshop or in the shows. people make discoveries. People kind of receive information and story or whatever. But I think it gets processed. It it goes from the brain to the body. Yeah. In those... In its own time.
0: I completely agree. My passion is very much for more theatrical forms of improvisation, as I think I've spoken to you about before. However, I do find it interesting how... The relationship between actors and improvisers works, so you can have a, a wonderful actor who doesn't necessarily have the, the skills of improvisation, and vice versa. And that they don't people don't need to have both, and it does different things to the way that they perform. And I'm interested in how this group of actors first approached improvisation, and what maybe what you noticed from their observations about the difference, or from your own.
1: I think what's one of the fascinating things is that I think an actor who's had a training. I mean, even I trained in the 80s, early to mid-80s. Yeah, I'm that old. <laughs> <laughs> um, and improvisation was part, a small part, a very small part. The was same
0: in my acting training yeah. too, but it's not thought of as its own art form. No, when you, when absolutely actor, not.
1: Yeah. No, but it was there. Whereas these actors, who are our youngest actor is in... I won't even give them a gender. They're mid-70s. Yeah. And they go up from that. Three of our five are in their 80s. For them, improvisation was absolutely no part of their training or their experience. Mm-hmm. So it's quite unusual to find actors who have no concept of it. Um, I mean, a couple of our actors were together at RADA in 1953. Wow. I mean, it makes your brain explode. Um, so this is a completely new idea to them so teaching them or working with them on this new idea to them some things have been exactly the same as if they were a bunch of 25 year olds
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, the same sort of honeymoon period, the same delight, the same discovery then they hit the rocks and they, they discover it's a bit more complex than they first thought so they get kind of Frozen with the complexity of it, and then you start to go into the paradoxes of it, um, and you know what's an an offer, what's not an offer, what's accepting that offer, what's not accepting that offer, what's where is the story, all of these things. Where Mm -hmm. and you you have the same discussions as you have when you are training any group of performers of whatever age. So that it's been interesting to see. Oh no, in lots of ways they're exactly the same Mm -hmm. as a group of complete improvisation, innocence the difference is and we discovered this last time towards the end of our time together and we're much getting much more of it this time is that if they manage to get a scene going if they manage to keep it going all those decades of acting experience kick in and you have fully fully formed, really textured, incredibly sophisticated characters. Improvising.
0: Wow, that sounds like an incredible thing to be able to witness every day.
1: It is, it's it's amazing.
0: So at this point Phelan came into the room and joined our conversation. One of the things I observe just as a human is like our attitude in this society that we live in towards people as they get older and how some groups of people... You, you literally become redundant when you become redundant and how some people feel that uh, about the older people, the younger people, I guess, are less respectful towards older people. But I wonder whether or not that's felt from the actors themselves. Is there stuff around confidence? Is there stuff around coming back into that performance space? Has that been a, a thing? Yeah,
1: definitely. Um so a couple of things pop into my head at the end of our first period together we didn't do a showing so usually here at the National Theatre Studio you have some get some time, which is great and you do some sort of work in progress showing and we said we're not going to do that because we think it's too soon for them to do that and we don't want to kind of dent their confidence or give them a traumatic experience or whatever, so we didn't do it.
0: And perhaps that's not the aim in many ways.
1: Well, actually, the aim in the end is to get them on stage.
0: Oh, amazing.
1: Improvising in front of a paying public. That's what, that's what we're aiming for. Oh, fantastic. Um, so on the last day, Rufus uh, Norris came in just to have a chat. We said, we're just going to have a chat with them. They said, look, they talked about their experiences of it, but the thing they said most, or the thing that came through was um, we felt listened to. And that was, there was something quite moving about that, that clearly the implication was that their experience as older actors is a sense of being listened to less, of being heard less. And in this environment, working on improvisation, you know, listening is <laughs> one of the things yeah. they'd felt listened to. And Georgie our eldest, I don't think she'd mind me saying that, our eldest um, actor. When we said we were doing it again, and her um, agent had told her that we were doing it again, she rang me up. And she said, oh, Lee, I'm so pleased, I'm so pleased. Do you know what? Since I had the news, I'm walking better, I'm driving better, I'm feeling better. It's confidence, isn't it? And I think that's happening... It happens to all of us. But you're absolutely right. It's There's a kind of affirmation or a sense of value that starts to kind of get eroded as people and actors and actors of people
0: get older. My tenuous link and my interest, I guess, is this idea of... People's relationship with their voice, not their singing voice, but their voice and their mm-hmm. voice being heard and stuff. And what it strikes me as uh, is a similarity in what we experience with with the singing thing, is talking to adults who say, Well, when I was seven, eight, nine, ten, my mum, my teacher, my sister said, Oh, stop making that horrible racket and they haven't sung in public since. Yeah. And to to stand in a space with other people and let that mm-hmm. vulnerability out is a just a really powerful and moving thing to be around and and that reminded me of that when you were saying that.
1: I agree it's a a very yeah, that's what's happening.
0: Since you're both here, can I just get Mm. you to talk more generally about Improbable and how you met and how that came about?
1: So the direction I arrived at it was uh, when I was at school my teacher read Keith's in pro I think I've worked out pretty much when it came out um, and it changed his life so he decided he was going to change all our lives so we started working on Keith's exercises in Great Yarmouth where I was from um, what year is this? Uh, late 70s mm. then I went to drama school and left drama school and couldn't get a couldn't buy a job as an actor. So I left drama school in, what, 84 or something, or 85. Uh, And that was... 85 was sort of one of the year zeros for improv in London. That was the year theatre sports arrived. That was the year the comedy store players started. That was the time that Andy Harmon was doing Trouble in Public at the gate. It was the time that Peter Weir from the old Omelette broadcasting thing that had been, like, 80 to 83... And just in case, they were sort of reviving their interest in that after a bit of a, a, bit of a lull. It was the time when Jim, and Steve, Jim Sweeney and Steve Steen, the other members of Onle broadcasting, had sort of uh, started to revive something that they called the Rupert Pupkin Collective. It was the year of actor aid, which was 12, years, 12 hours of improvisation. Um, where Omelette got back. So all of these things were happening in an incredibly short amount of time, almost slap bang in the middle of the 80s, and I sort of emerged from drama school into this thing and just started doing it. So I became a comedy improviser. Uh, And then I met Phelan.
2: I'm not sure it's that year, maybe the following year, 86 or something. I had left college, and, uh, and then I went and did a workshop with Keith. It was a 10-day workshop, I think. Uh, even mm-hmm. if it wasn't, it felt like 10 days. <laughs> uh, and it was in Moncton-Wild, sort of down south. And uh, it was extraordinary because I hadn't... I'd done a lot of Goliere workshops but I hadn't done improv in that way. So I would say the difference being looking at narrative and storytelling, which was kind of, for me, was a missing piece from that uh, clown and improvisation that Goliath was teaching. And uh, became very excited about, I think the most exciting thing sort of was that it generated a lot of material done lots of scenes in the Gaulier workshops and things and a lot of companies came out of Goliath's work and but very often they were clown scenes that na- narrative wasn't necessarily part of that yeah. um, so I was excited by that and excited by the fact that you could just do it and there were and then, I then consequently discovered that there were people doing it so Lee and other people were doing it above pups. And uh, Guy Dartnell had a place on that course that I went on and couldn't go and sent his then-girlfriend to do it instead. And afterwards, he was kind of like regretted the fact that he hadn't done it and got some people together to try and tell him what we'd done on the workshop. It was great, actually, mm-hmm. as a way of... Making those people who were on it meet again, mm. and Lee came on along to that workshop. I was about to make a show at the time, and the actor who was in it, that's called Richard Hope, got a big TV part, and uh, um, so I was looking for someone, and I asked Lee to be in it. Great. And that's how we started working together, and that was in 1986, I 86. think. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably. It was eighty-five. so It all happened in eighty-five. I went and did yeah, that workshop, yeah. and even then, Keith hadn't been in the UK for a long time. Mm. Angelico had managed to persuade him to come, uh, and John Oram. Mm. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, John Oram, who was
1: who was the drama advisor for Norfolk County Council when I was back in Great Yarmouth. John Oram was a mime artist. Okay. Um, so I'd sort of encountered him as a, you know, whatever, precocious 14-year-old actor
2: or something so um, That was the beginning yeah. of that story and uh, there was a real uh, with imp- Improbable, which didn't form for many years later, but we've been working since then uh, there's always been a big theatre element, so it's never been really, apart we've done lots of like comedy improv shows over the years, but our work in this territory, which became improbable, was always. In fact, we avoided ever putting the word, word impro on our leaflets and stuff. Um, just because we wanted it to be known as, and we're working towards doing theatre rather than just. Um, I guess it was to stop people imagining a certain kind of performance. Was happening, and was, there was an invitation for to come and see a different. You might see serious scenes. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, um, and part of the journey towards putting improbable together was because I'd tried for years to get funding to do life game, which we'd done in '85. On that, Keith was still st- he was starting to develop it as as he was doing that course. We did that, and we did some scenes that i will you know I never forget. And I wanted to do Life Game, but I was determined that it would never be a show that we just did above a pub or in a, which is when, where most improv happened, that it would be a properly funded show. It would have a set, and it, people would be paid to do it, and we would pay for Keith to come over to coaches for it, which is, and it took, well, what year did we do Life Game? Hmm. 1998?
1: Yeah, so First time? Yeah. In 2000.
2: Yeah. So, from 85 to then, uh, to get to that place. Um, so, on some level, Improbable was created as a company to make help make that happen, and it did. Wow. Um, and since, I mean, over the years, we've done Life Game what, mm, mm, lots of times. Yeah, I mean, 600 times or something like that, yeah. probably. That's one version of the story. Mm.
0: I mean, you just—you uh, seem to do so much, and I think from you know meeting you at one time, and just looking at your website, mm-hmm. and also talking to lots of my friends from the impod community and everything. You know, you seem to um, sort of hold up exper- experimentation and research and development of the mm-hmm. art form quite high, um, which I really admire. I mean, this project, mm-hmm. amongst other things, that you seem to be up to as well.
1: I, I think. I think that's right. We do hold it high. I think that's because it's what interests us. Mm. I think if we... um, There are people who are more interested in working out how we can formulate a format that will whatever. And we sort of come alive, as other people do, when we're on the edge of something, and we're doing something we're not our best work has always happened whether it's improvised or not improvised when we've attempted something we're not good at
0: mm.
2: or it's been about bringing two things together so there's a simultaneous journey for me with puppetry I was doing a lot of work with puppets and of course in, your, in workshops and in rehearsals I would see puppeteers improvising and I would go oh, this is much more interesting than when people have done puppet shows that are worked out so, Animo, which was an early, mm-hmm. in fact, it was the very first improbable first, show, yeah. was the question: What happens if you put some puppeteers into the mix of improvisation? Um, so, and it's a question, and it's mm-hmm. a question of often about bringing two worlds together. So this could be seen as that: yeah. What happens if you bring uh, years of experience in theatrical skill? And uh, well, more traditional theatre, together with a set of skills which are about making it up in the moment. Yeah. So it's a question, and I think we are more likely to explore a question and to go. We've got to make a show that does dot dot dot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that asking those questions began even before probably existed. Yeah. yeah. The the name Improbable, which is a sort of rubbish name (laughs) for theatre companies. It's quite hard to say. (laughs) Yeah, that's what happens. came from a show we did at Nottingham Playhouse uh, in the early 90s, very early 90s, um, called Improbable Tales. And God knows how we did this, but we persuaded them to let us do, on the main stage of Nottingham Playhouse, to do a five-week run, eight shows a week, of an improvised play Amazing Completely No structure Nothing Just four performers A musician And a guest Each night And we were dressed In Edwardian costumes Yeah it was like
2: Steampunk Before steampunk
1: yeah. was Julian kind of, Pratt, Who was part of the company then Created this extraordinary design Yeah it was kind of steampunky Wasn't mm. it And we had Cloths that were dropped in We had a full light It was a full Quite oh, yeah. Sort of spectacular It was yeah rep set we just improvised on it every Um, night and we had we had a stage manager and he said when do I bring the clothes in we went when you want (laughs) whenever you
2: like and it was he was his first job it was the first time he'd ever been on book and there was no book yeah (laughs) so all the techies would be in the wings watching stage crew watching and they'd be following the story and they would we had lots of big cardboard props of cars and kind of uh, different Stuff we had a load of puppet stuff, Mm -hmm. and they would wait in the wings. And as you'd come off, they'd kind of hand you things to see if you go, Yeah, take that. So they were improvising as well.
0: A treat, yeah, how lovely!
2: It was that so it's crazy where you go, If you
1: thought about it now, you would never do it. You'd never a theater like that, would never do it now. They go, (laughs) You're crazy, no Mm -hmm. charms. It's probably hard to think about doing it again. I think so because it's (coughs) it's about putting something improvised and not treating it like oh it's the thing above the pub oh it's the thing that happens when on the Sunday night which is the old traditional impro night when nothing else is on no it's on the main stage it has a set it has a lighting rig it has prop everything let's treat just take it seriously yeah
0: give it some legitimacy yeah
1: absolutely and of course people in Nottingham loved it it was like they come along and go oh great (laughs) you know it's
2: well,
0: if, you know, I did
2: have a hardcore of people who started to go and see every show and... Yeah, of course it would.
0: I like the, um, you know, the evangelical audience look when they've seen their first bit of improvisation. Yes. Yes. Especially if it's not some an improvisation that they recognise the form of. Yeah. And they come and talk to you afterwards, and you're like, what was that? Yeah. I don't know what that was, but... It just it, it felt it just felt so different from anything I've ever seen before, you know, and then um, they can feel that freshness and they're with you, aren't they? They're on their seats it's very exciting to be able to do. Well that. they
2: never come back because because it was not a great show. <laughs> <laughs> whatever.
0: Sudden.
1: So yeah. You get that at the comedy store when people have been to see stand up shows, then come to see the players and they I mean they go wow, they say it was funnier or whatever, but actually it's the atmosphere it's very is very different. Yeah. The quality of laughter, mm. the quality of relationship with the, with the performance is totally yeah. different. Like they can't quite... It's that face, you're exactly right. You can't quite believe it's that different. And they've experienced something that new.
0: The face, for all you audio listeners, is a kind of like a wide-eyed... Innocent. Animal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With
1: a kind of soupçon of amusement.
0: Yes, soupçon yes. of amusement definitely yeah. is is true. Um, so for this week, then, how many more days have you got left? Uh, Three more days. Two and a half. Yeah. And you're doing full days.
1: Mm, fullish days. Yes. Yeah, we have to, you know, be sensitive to people's energy levels. Yeah, yeah. people are tired today because yeah. we've been. People are very tired today. Been it's been pretty intense, yeah. so they're quite tired, including us.
0: Yes, it's um, it's quite demanding work isn't it I I spoke to uh, Georgie outside Mm. in the kitchen and uh, she started talking to me actually before she even knew who I was Mm -hmm. she's obviously a very friendly lady Mm. and I said oh are you working with a problem and she said yes I said how's it going and she was silent for Mm. a good five seconds and her eyes went really wide and she actually looked really serious Mm -hmm. I was worried for a moment Mm -hmm. that she was going to say it's actually been terrible really (laughs) traumatic I can't wait for it to be over but she actually went it's just been Incredible, mm. like it's just like nothing else. It's obviously having a really profound effect.
1: I, I think so. I hope so. Mm. Yeah. I think it is.
2: But it feels like a, an on, like an ongoing project that you just keep just keep working at. So we just have to find ways of making sure we make that commitment and make it happen in some way, whatever that is. And then as Lee says, you know, the dream is. To you know, some afternoon take over the set of The Mouse Trap put them on the, a set that they're very comfortable and at home with an improvised theatre
0: That's amazing Yeah. Well I would be the first in line to buy a ticket for that and that happens
1: Good I think mm-hmm. the, the sta- like, for, like for us if you said to us what's the stage we'd say the stage is at home Yeah it's the most relaxing two hours of the day. Mm-hmm. It's where the universe makes sense. Mm-hmm. And we talk to, to any performer, and that's what they'll say. The world confuses me. Mm-hmm. On stage, I know where I am. I feel really relaxed. I feel like myself. And the same is true for these actors. The stage is their home. But just because time has passed, they're being denied that home
0: yeah.
1: uh, if really even beyond the shows if this project has a, an aim mm. it's to open up <laughs> a proper yes. old actors home yeah. which is a stage yeah. where the public come and pay money to watch them perform yeah. that's their home
0: So thanks very much, uh, Lee and Phelan, for talking to me. I had a really wonderful day meeting you both and meeting all of the fantastic actors, and I'm really excited uh, to see where you get with them and hopefully come and see a show at The National one day. And who knows, maybe one day we could even get them singing.
1: That'd be amazing. I really enjoyed listening to that. I would have loved to have been there, but I'm glad we sent you anyway.
0: Thanks, Jo. Thanks, everyone. Um, Please pop us an email at openyourmouthandsing at gmail.com with any questions. And we'll see you all soon. Right. Bye. Bye.